today I'm going to be doing something I've wanted to do for quite a bit of time, and that's redraft the number one draft picks of the last 20 years. But before we get to that, I have to tell you about Doer because Doer doesn't have sales, but it's that time of year where everybody has sales. So they've joined in and they're having a giant Black Friday sale. And you can check it out in store or online at doer.ca. That's D-U-E-R.ca. And if you don't know Doer, they have the softest clothes ever. They have the world's softest pants. They are super flexible. Their polos are so incredibly comfy. Their t-shirts as well. They have men's clothing. They have women's clothing. They have everything you need to pick up some, maybe some Christmas gifts for someone or for yourself to fill out your winter slash still kind of fall wardrobe. Shop up to 50% off. Shop best-selling styles, mystery bags, exclusive styles, and more. Doer never does sales. Like I said, act now while quantities last. Doer U-E-R dot C-A. And as always, the Jesse Blake Sports Report is brought to you by Sports Interaction. If you want to bet, you can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Every football, hockey, basketball game at your fingertips. And the World Cup starts very shortly. You can bet on it at Sports Interaction as well. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of their many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And I have for you a 43 to 1 bet that I'm placing tonight. I'm putting $10 on it. $10 will win $435.71. It is that Jack Hughes has an assist versus the Maple Leafs tonight. Mike Hoffman has an assist, has a point, just a point, versus the Blue Jackets. Mike Hoffman of the Montreal Canadiens has a point versus the Blue Jackets on Thursday night. That Martin Nietzsche scores a goal versus the Avalanche. And that Nazem Kadri scores a goal versus the Lightning. This is a four-leg parlay that will get you 43-1 to odds. So a $10 bet. Will win you four hundred and thirty-five dollars. A five-dollar bet wins you two seventeen. And that is if Jack Hughes gets an assist, Mike Hoffman gets a point, and Martin Nietzsche and Nazem Kadri score goals. That's what I'm running with. This is our new thing. We just need to hit one of these mega parlays, and we're gonna win a whole bunch. Just one day, one day, one of these is gonna hit. We started this last episode, and we're back again with our mega parlays on SportsInteraction.com/slash s. DPN. Let's get to the main event. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. The Jesse Blake Sports Report. Really? Oh, wait, really? The Jesse Blake Sports Report. That's it? Don't forget, it's the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. <laughs> you know, that's kind of redundant. Dude, is there a problem? No, no, that's fine. I, I just, you know, I thought maybe you guys would come up with something, you know, Good. Man, I just read it. You know what? Doesn't matter to me. I get paid by the word. <laughs> Let's do this. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Quick update from last episode before we get into this episode's list. Yes, I agree with the people in the comments. I heard your feedback. I think Nick Backstrom was missing from the Hall of Fame list, and I think he should have gone in the look at the numbers 
yes, they're in the Hall of Fame category. I think Nick Backstrom should have been in there. I 100% agree with you, Caps fans, that wrote in the YouTube comments, that wrote on our Discord, that DM'd me. Nick Backstrom, Hall of Famer. All right, today, today, that's why we have feedback, right? That's why everything you disagree about with this video, everything you agree, put in the comments. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate the podcast on your favorite podcast feed. Today, we are redrafting all the number one picks of the last 20 years. So that would be the 2022 draft through the 2003 draft. That is the last 20 number one overall picks. And to give you an idea of my list here and like what went into picking this, I am picking, so we're all on the same page. I'm picking players based on starting a fresh franchise. So I'm starting from scratch. Let's say we have 20 teams and they all got to pick one through 20. This is the order I think everybody's blank franchise would go. And the goal is to win the Stanley Cup as quickly as possible. Like with my live streams I do on Twitch where I'm rebuilding and franchise mode, I'm just trying to win the cup every year. The goal is to win the Stanley Cup. That's the ultimate goal here in hockey, in the entire sport. This is the reason everyone's playing, is to win. So I've made my picks based on who's going to get me there the fastest. Fun thing about this, too, if we're drafting all these players at their draft year, the contract's kind of out the books because they all start on an ELC for the first three years, and they'd all max it out. So that kind of evens it out in terms of like, hey, Nathan McKinnon would probably go a little higher because you get the sweetheart deal that he was on for the longest time. But that doesn't really play into this instance. But what does play is we get complete hindsight. It would be ridiculous if we tried to do this based on where they were at the time of their draft and the perception of the player and all that. No, we're doing it with complete hindsight because that's I feel like is the only fair way to do it. We get to know what happens in their career. But that does not necessarily mean... It would happen for your franchise. So the way Connor McDavid doesn't have a Stanley Cup yet, but Sidney Crosby has a couple for a few of his fingers and Ovi's got one, that doesn't necessarily mean you draft Connor McDavid and you wouldn't win through his first eight years. You could win, depends on how you build your team. It's just who who do you think would get you there the fastest? And with the first overall pick, I don't think this is going to be a surprise. Sidney Patrick Crosby goes number one overall on my redrafting of the last 20 years of first overall NHL picks. Three-time Stanley Cup winner, two-time Art Ross, three-time Pearson, two-times Rocket Richard, two Con Smice, eight All-Stars, two Hearts, one Art Ross trophy. The pride of Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia. I don't think this is a debate. I think you take one of the top five best hockey players ever in terms of everything encompassing his winning ability, his skill, the team that was around him and and the legacy he leaves by as a Canadian icon. There's not I don't think there's a debate. You we get complete hindsight in this and it'd be ridiculous to say that I'm going to draft somebody and I'm going to expect them to outperform Sidney Crosby's career. He's, he's number one overall if you're taking a first overall pick in the last 20 years. Second overall, though, is where we can get a little interesting. I would take Alexander Ovechkin. Alexander Ovechkin, to me, is the second overall pick 
when we're redrafting first overall picks since 2003. I think having the greatest goal scorer of all time, sorry, Wayne, I think Ovi's going to pass you in terms of number of goals in a career. I think having that and building that from scratch, if you can do a little bit better GMing than what was done in Washington, because it took them a whole long time to win a Stanley Cup, I think knowing who Alexander Ovechkin is with complete hindsight in how he plays and how to get build a team to get him a Stanley Cup, I think having the greatest goal scorer of all time on your first line wing starting a fresh franchise is a super easy path to getting a Stanley Cup. That doesn't feel like a controversial opinion. Number three on my list is Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid might be the most talented player Amongst all of these players, hasn't won a Stanley Cup. With Ovi, two and three are very important because with Ovi, I've seen the process. Connor McDavid hasn't have, hadn't had as much time as Ovi for the process to play out. I think he gets one eventually. And when McDavid gets one Stanley Cup, he bumps to number two on my list. That's what I'm telling you right now. That day that Connor McDavid wins his Stanley Cup, I'm going to redo this list and he's going to move up to two. But that process hasn't been completed yet. I assume you can win. I assume you can win with Connor McDavid. He's three because he's the most skilled player and that you can definitely win with him. I assume you can definitely win him. But he hasn't done it yet. And with Ovi, I have an entire career of the greatest goal scorer of all time to look back on to build that Stanley Cup. That's why I think it's more of a sure thing if I draft Ovi 2 as opposed to Connor McDavid at 2. So that's why Connor McDavid is bumped down to 3. Top 3 picks, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid. 4 and 5 are also a bit of a flip-floppy. I'm taking Nathan McKinnon over Austin Matthews, who I have at 5. Austin Matthews is a better goal scorer, but I think Nathan McKinnon edges him out slightly in the overall hockey play. He definitely doesn't have the point production or the goal scoring that Austin Matthews has, but he's a more versatile player, and when I'm starting a franchise, I want that. I want the guy who's who's the more versatile centerman, and unfortunately right now, that's Nathan McKinnon. I say unfortunately because I'm a Leafs fan. But right now, fortunately or unfortunately, that's Nathan McKinnon. So he's got to go five, four, uh, sorry. And Austin's got to go five. And the cup helps. The cup gives you a little boost. As you can see, as I'm going through this list, the cup gives you a little boost. Austin, I got at five. Austin, there's not a lot to be said about a guy who uh, scored 60 goals in a season. That's not a difficult guy to build a team around. But as we can see in Toronto, it can get a little dicey when you're trying to win even a playoff round. So he gets bumped down. Nathan McKinnon, I think, is more of a reliable pick. And that's what you're doing when you're drafting. You're trying to draft the sure things. I think Nathan McKinnon, so far in his career, has proven to be a more surefire winner than Austin Matthews. We'll see how it ends up, but that's how it's got to be. At six is Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos has a good argument for that fifth spot. He has a good argument for the fourth spot, really, over McKinnon because he has more wins. He has been a higher point producer Steven Stamkos has a 60-goal season. I'm going to bring up Steven Stamkos' point production here. I might talk myself into moving him up. Steven Stamkos, in 2011-12, scored 60 goals, had 37 assists. In 09-10, he had 51 goals. He has two Stanley Cups, two Rockets, two All-Stars. No individual trophies, which is okay. But yeah, in that 60-goal season, he finished second in the heart uh, voting. I think the skill ceiling of McKinnon and... 
Matthews is higher than Stamkos's. Stamkos, we have a whole career of proof of concept. Hasn't really, didn't stay healthy for a large chunk of it. Unfortunate injuries, like they weren't, they weren't like fitness cases, but did uh, have a little lull in the middle where it was 17 games in 16-17, and then the 57 game. Oh, that's actually because of the uh, the pandemic there. The 38 game 2021 season. The skill level, I think, is what pushes McKinnon and Matthews to four and five, as opposed to Stamkos up to one of those slots. The skill ceiling, to me, is a little higher for those two gentlemen. Coming in at number seven is Patrick Kane. I think a lot of the reason Patrick Kane sits behind Steven Stamkos here is because of the longevity factor. I think Steven Stamkos has a bet- has had a better arc in his career. I mentioned those injury lulls, but since like last season, he really picked it back up. He's off to another hot start again this year. I think there's a better arc to their careers. It does very much depend on the people around them. Patrick Kane's roster around him has been very lackluster the last few years. But I think there's a more of a straight through line with Stamkos' career as opposed to Patrick Kane's. But you get a lot of the same things. You get a proven winner that if the team is around them, they can get it done. And by team, I mean Jonathan Taves, you know, and, and Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. And if you build those pieces, you can win three Stanley Cups like Patrick Kane has. And at number eight, I have Mark Andre Fleury, and I flip flopped a little between Kane and Fleury here at seven and eight because the goalie is very difficult to find. The goalie who is gonna lead you to a Stanley Cup is very hard to find. And Mark Andre Fleury, say we drafted him first, eighth overall here in our redraft here, you're getting a goalie for how long has his career been now? It's been so long. Let me look up the exact amount of years that Fleury has been in the NHL. His career is 19 years long. So when you draft Marc-Andre Fleury at 8 overall in our redrafting of the first overall picks, you get a goalie for 19 years if that's the way you want to go. And there aren't many lulls in Marc-Andre Fleury's career. He has been very consistent. He's won a couple cups. He's won three, to be exact. And throughout his career, it's consistently 50 games started, 60 games started, 9-16, 9-15, 9 He's been so consistent for, uh, I almost said 13. He was 13 years in Pittsburgh. 19 total years of his career. That is a crazy thing to draft. And you'd for sure get that because like, like we said, we, you get the complete hindsight of the player. So if Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play like that, I don't know. I I'm very tempted to move him up, but I think... It's a little easier to find the goal, to win with poor goaltending and to not find the superstar. You know, it's a, it's a little harder to find Patrick Kane than it is to find Marc-Andre Fleury. Goaltending, like, look at the teams that Patrick Kane has won with. Corey Crawford. It's easier to find Corey Crawford than it is to find Marc-Andre Fleury. He got replaced by Tristan Jari at one point, you know. So that bumps him down a smidge to eight. And I'm okay with that. At number nine, I don't know if this is going to upset people, but I have John Tavares. John Tavares, he scored his 400th goal recently for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they flashed a graphic on the broadcast about his 400th goal. Since coming into the league in 2009-10, John Tavares has 400 goals. The players ahead of him with more goals since coming into the league are Steven Samkos with 465 and Alexander Ovechkin with 469. End of list. Since coming into the National Hockey League, 
John Tavares is the third highest goal scorer. And nobody looks at him as a fantastic goal scorer with some of the all-time greats. But he is on this list of players since coming into the league out of these 20 guys I'm about to name. John Tavares is number three since being in the league. He is a prolific goal scorer that I think you can build a team around. His time in New York, you know, they didn't win a cup. His time in Toronto, they haven't won anything. But that's a player you can build a team around. And I think if you're, I don't know, maybe a little smarter with the salary cap, you can make John Tavares' career a little more successful. And he seems to be one of the more reliable picks on this roster as we get down 10 through 20. John Tavares seems like your sure thing, number one center that you want for your team. And I'm prioritizing that a lot here. The nine through one, one through nine, I think is the same for all of us. I think we're all going to look at that one through nine and put them in just in a different order. And 10 through 20 is where we get some differences. I don't know if this is recency bias. 10 and 11, I'm putting Heisher and Hughes. I think it's a tie between the two of them. I'm not going to anoint one better than the other right now, but the way they're playing this season and the the way the top of this draft board rounds out where it's the centerman or just the forward, I should say, plus Marc-Andre Fleury, the forward, dynamic forward who can score, who's going to put up points, who's going to lead your franchise. Those are the players who go early in the draft. Heischer and Hughes went First overall for a reason. They can be that dynamic forward who's going to drive the play, who's going to lead your franchise to a Stanley Cup. And if they eventually do it, then like they're then they're cemented. You know, they're probably going to leapfrog a couple names on this list. But you have the two centermen who are dynamic scorers who this year look like they're reaching their potential. And that's exactly what you want out of a number one pick. And if we move on to 12 and 13, where I have Ekblad and Darlene, you'll see my thinking here. Because Ekblad and Darlene, they're the number one defenseman. That's what you're drafting in those positions. But more valuable than the number one defenseman we've seen time and time again because of the lack of defensemen through this list of 20 is the dynamic centerman. That's what you want out of these drafts. You want the number one centers. The hardest thing to find is the guy who is so far and away better than everybody else in terms of his scoring prowess, and he plays down the middle. It's so difficult to get. That's why they always go number one. It's the most important part of the game. Nico, Heischer, and Jack Hughes, I've at 10 and 11. Then following them, I've lumped together Ekblad and Dahlin. Now, Ekblad is kind of what we expect Darlene to be and what we've kind of seen out of Darlene, except Darlene's a little bigger. He plays a little different style of game, but I'm just talking about in terms of offensive defenseman who can be your number one defenseman. That's what we're getting out of Darlene this year after his unbelievably hot start. And that's what we've seen out of Aaron Ekblad with his time in Florida. Now, Ekblad, he has a call to trophy, but he doesn't have any, doesn't have a resume really. Only 26. Like, let's not, let's not cement his career as what it is right now. There's still time to grow, but He's the number one defenseman on most teams. Like, I wouldn't say every team. Like, no Norris trophies, none of that. But he's done more than Darlene. We have a bigger bigger resume. And right now, I think we're hoping Darlene turns into an Aaron Ekblad. So I can't put him ahead of Aaron Ekblad. But I kind of have them as 12A and 12B, Ekblad and Rasmus Darlene. As the same, I have Heischer and Hughes, or Hughes and Heischer, as 
10A and 11, and 10A and 10B, 10 and 11. Going down the list to 14 through 20, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is so difficult to place here. This is where I put him ahead of the, I'm not really sure what's going on here, guys. Taylor Hall, 14. He's not, he doesn't, he doesn't give you what a number one pick gives you. He does, he's not, you don't build a franchise around Taylor Hall and expect yourself to win a Stanley Cup. Taylor Hall's a great piece to a Stanley Cup roster. What he's doing in Buffalo, in Buffalo, in Boston is really impressive as a second line player for most of the time, as a winger who puts up decent amount of points, but he's not driving the play. Taylor Hall isn't the dynamic player that's going to lead your franchise to a Stanley Cup. So 14 is where I'm kind of placing him because I don't want to put him below someone like at 15 and 16, Owen Power and Alexei Lafreniere. And at 17, Uri Slavkovsky because those are three unknowns. That's what I'm calling them. Lafreniere's had some time. like He's had a couple of years now. Not as much as we'd we'd like in terms of this exercise. We don't have a long resume. He was drafted in uh, 2001. He's still 21 years old, only played 152 career games, one full season, if you don't count the 56-game 2020-2021 season. But like Lafreniere is still such an unknown, and I can't put him above a regular NHLer who has a Hart Trophy in Taylor Hall. I can't do that. So he's at 16, and Owen Power, I'm putting up ahead of Alexei Lafreniere because Owen Power's prospect ranking is higher than Lafreniere's. Like, we expect more out of Owen Power, who was drafted a year after Lafreniere, or two years after, who's played 25 career games. His ceiling is higher as a defenseman than Lafreniere's is as a forward, but I might flip-flop here and flip them because everything I was just saying about the forward, the centerman being more desirable, should probably bump Lafreniere over Owen Power. But I think Owen Power's ceiling as a defenseman is higher than Lafreniere's ceiling as a forward. Because I don't know if Lafreniere has the capabilities. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Like, he's 21. I don't know if he's gonna if he reaches the like world beater. He's top five player in the league potential that you expect at a number one pick. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna flip. Fifteen is Lafreniere because you value the centerman over the defenseman. Owen Power at sixteen because his ceiling I think is one of the highest out of these this young player tier. And then at seventeen, I gotta put Uri Slavkovsky right behind. Owen Power for a lot of the reasons that I have Owen Power where I do on the list because the potential here with an 18-year-old who's played 11 games for the Canadians who was drafted in June of this year who's 18, who has three goals, who's an everyday left winger in this lineup for the Canadians. I bumped his ceiling up like through the roof and through the sky. His ceiling is now in outer space. There's so much potential here with Uri Slavskovsky that I think like he could be he could surpass a lot of players on this list. He has looked absolutely phenomenal. And I think already he's ahead of a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who comes in at number 18 on my list because Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't what you want out of a number one pick. Sadly, he's not he's not a first line player. You don't plug Ryan Nugent Hopkins onto your first line 
at center and be like, okay, we got a Stanley Cup contender if we build this around. We have enough runway that you wouldn't be selecting Ryan Nugent Hopkins in a first overall picks draft and expecting yourself to have the best results and have the quickest results to the end goal of a Stanley Cup. Unfortunately, we've seen with the last couple picks here, that's the dynamic of it. It's the number one picks that didn't work out. It's 18, 19, and 20. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the best of the number one picks that didn't really work out because they have somebody like Connor McDavid, who's an actual what you want out of a number one pick, because that's what you that's what you're looking for when you're the worst team and you get that first pick. You don't want to end up with a pick like Nugent Hopkins, unfortunately. It's not I'm not saying he's a bad player. It's just in the class of the last twenty, he's at eighteen. And then we have Eric Johnson at nineteen, who's was the wrong pick in the draft. St. Louis took him first overall in the two thousand six draft. Probably should have taken Jonathan Taves. Probably should have taken Nick Backstrom. That's, it was a weaker draft. Jordan Stahl went second. It was a weaker draft, but Eric Johnson wasn't the guy. He wasn't what he was sold as. And we've seen that throughout his career. That He's a, he's a great everyday NHL defenseman. He's played 871 games. But he's definitely not the best player out of that draft. He's definitely not somebody you would select high up in our draft and be like, okay, we got it there. No, Eric Johnson, or that's the defenseman for we want for our team starting from scratch. There's unfortunately hundreds more players you would select ahead of Eric Johnson. And lastly, we have Nail Yakupov, who isn't an NHLer. He's the only one on this list who is not uh, an everyday NHLer who didn't pan out at all for the Edmonton Oilers, only played five seasons in the NHL, was really yo-yoed with the Edmonton Oilers through the uh, 2012-2013 season where he played a bit in the KHL and then the NHL, and then a couple more seasons with the Oilers where he only managed a career high of 14 goals in the 14-15 season, and then he moved to St. Louis for a little bit, played 40 games there, and then to Colorado for 58, and now plays back in the KHL back home. He's the only number one pick on this list that completely has vanished from the NHL, and that's why he's got to come in at 20th. Not a regular, not a career NHL, or five seasons only. Really the only one that didn't work out. And that's my list. That is my comprehensive redraft of the last 21st overall picks. I feel like we got a little in the middle there. There's a lot of controversy, but I feel like it's fair. I feel like this is the right. I can hear your arguments, but this is the right order. You can get a little funky with the McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin, McKinnon, foursome there, and then the Matthews, Stamkos. And then if you want to put McKinnon back, like I'll hear your arguments, but I think I nailed it. Let me know in the comments down below if you, what your top 20 is in your redraft, who you're selecting, uh, one through 20. Don't forget to like and subscribe on this channel. I'll be back this weekend. Actually, I have another episode coming out. They're just churning out lists and episodes. I got another one for you coming in the next couple of days. Let me know if you have some suggestions for lists you want me to make or redrafts or whatever, let me know. Got a little F1 coming next week because of the end of the season as well. That's a sneak preview. Okay, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be watching or listening to this podcast right now, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Good night. I will see you very soon. And that is how it's done. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook.
Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him. No, he doesn't have an ego at all.